Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in today. This is Series 6, where we are having some fun with retired athletes and talking about what it was like to be on the road. I was on the road for 20 years living out of a suitcase. I have lots of stories to share, and I know all my other friends that are Olympians do as well. Thank you for dropping in on Episode 53. Let me introduce the guest that we will be dropping in with today. This guest is Canada's top male windsurfer. Born and raised in Vancouver, Canada, he's been windsurfing from the age of 17. At a young age, doctors predicted he would never be able to play sports due to asthma and allergies. He looked to prove them wrong and hoped to compete in his first Olympics in Athens 2004. Unfortunately, injury took him out. He has a black belt in Taekwondo, and he did represent Team Canada at two Olympics in Beijing 2008 and London 2012. He's also a successful businessman alongside his sister, creating Ilia Beauty in 2011, pushing the boundaries of innovation in the cosmetics industry. This son, brother, uncle, friend, two-time Olympian is someone who I know is always on the road. Let me introduce Zach Plavik. Hello. Hi, Mer. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Are you ready to drop in with the rapid fire that are never rapid fire questions? Let's do rapid fire. (laughs) Okay. Number one, there's 10 questions. Okay. What is one thing you traveled with that was a must have for your sport? uh, Wetsuits. I had to be. I had to have wetsuits. And then I had to have? We, wetsuits. Wetsuits. Just lost you there for a second. Oh, yeah. Got you back. Wetsuits. Wetsuits. Okay. That's well, kind of boring. Surf, what about windsurf boards? And, like, I mean, well, obviously, and you... yeah. We had to have our windsurf boards and our windsurf sails. I mean, um, there's one thing that I always traveled with, and that was – this isn't a plug, but was like at the time was my vitamin pack actually. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So my mom would pack me a little vitamin pack and it was like awesome. C and calcium and potassium. And she's like, you need to make sure you get a good sleep and don't get sick. And, that, that. and so Aww. I had the little vitamin pack. I love so that your was, mom. yeah. So that was something I always traveled with. Okay. Nice. Next. Rapid. Okay. Next. Uh, number two, who might be the most high profile contact in your phone? Um, <laughs> Atticus poetry, maybe, or uh, another friend. She manages Carly Kloss and Lewis Hamilton. Maybe that one. I don't even know who these people are. Lewis- <laughs> I know who these people are. Yes! You're like Lu- Lu- you know you like know all these people, and I don't know. <laughs> I'm Lewis, just like, Ham- I don't. Lewis Hamilton's uh, the the one of the most winning um formula one racers in the world like he's like the oh copy that I only, just watched, Schumacher. <laughs> I only just watched my first formula one when i was in mexico in the fall <laughs> oh uh, oh no wait i have a better one um okay. what's what's tom's last name he played uh uh Mal- um draco malfoy on oh Harry tom cool. I can't, yeah, but, 
I got it. Anyways, Draco okay. Malfoy. You got Draco him. Malfoy. Yeah. That's random. Do you know him? Yeah, sir. Uh, yeah, we ran into each other at a cactus club and then ended up like chatting and then became of course buddies. You and, did. and apparently he's, and then he's, he came over and we, he ended up playing the guitar and he's like a, actually a <laughs> rad little in, um, inspo musician. So, yeah. Sounds like a cool cat. Yeah, nice guy. I like it. Okay. Yeah, not, not uh, a bad guy. Not like, yeah, no, yeah, not, not yeah, a bad guy like in the movies. Really, really nice guy. <laughs> Number three, speaking of music, what is the top song or playlist you have on right now? Uh, right now, mm. I've become a SoundCloud uh, fan. and I'm sorry, what was that? SoundCloud. Oh, SoundCloud, yeah. Uh, and I have this, so it's like not your typical Spotify, but um, there's like this... Oh, can you say it out loud for our listeners? Vintage. Vintage. Yeah. Is mix it like a playlist? Like 70s, 80s, 90s vintage oh. mix by Kelso. And it's like it's like a it's it's like 70s, 80s, and 90s mixed in with a little bit of a beat. And it's very well mixed and it's a nice listening. It's vintage on SoundCloud. on SoundCloud. I like yeah, that. Vintage by vintage mix by Kelso. Bye, Kelso. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Okay, number four. If you could go back to an Olympics, would you choose winter or summer? Ooh, I would choose summer. You would choose would summer still. over again. There's I would still so choose summer. Athletes. There's so many athletes. There's a lot of athletes, but hey, you know what? I got to chase the sun around for 10 months a year. I know. Now you're in Whistler and you're getting all the snow. Now I'm in Whistler, so I, you know, I'm still getting to do my winter sports and have fun and hang out with all my winter friends. But I got a, a lifetime of summer, so I dig yeah. it. That's good. That's good. Uh, number five: If you were invisible, what's the first thing that you would do? If I, oh. <laughs> 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 that's a very um, I it's would. A great question, isn't it? Yeah, it is a really great question. <laughs> I feel like I would just steal all the money from every single bank and like That's corporation what I was and saying. give it back to all the people. Oh, Robin Hood! <laughs> nice, nice. That's totally fair. I like yeah. it. I like it. Um, number six: big city or small town? Small town. Because you're in Whistler now, and you were also in Laguna. You're always. And then Vancouver. I've, yeah, well, but I was on the outskirts of Vancouver. I've, I, yeah. There's something, maybe it's like I'm Canadian and I enjoy my space, like yeah. all of us do, and like most people around the world do, and we've seen like overpopulation um, mm -hmm. really kind of hit. So when I was born, there was 3.2 billion people, and now there's 7.8 or 7.9. So, um, so small town, a little more space, a little less people. Um, I hear you. Yeah, it's nice. I keep my like little energy bubble. I like it. Number seven. What would you say the biggest risk you have taken is? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> hmm. Um, sport wise or business wise? Your choice. You could say both. I think the biggest risk I took was business wise. And that was when I started um, a recycling company with three other friends. 
Um, so it was like friendship and then in where I think we were a mattress recycling business and we were like lobbying with the governments and then all of a sudden a bylaw went through it that we didn't know was going to go through and then we like became the first region in the world to recycle mattresses and they were prohibited from landfills and then we had to deal with 100 to 150,000 mattresses uh, every year which was a lot every day and we did we like we were not properly prepared for it I mean we figured it all out and saved a lot of the environment while we were at it but that was a crazy risk there was a lot on <laughs> I remember you telling me about that. Like line of credit for my dad. I had I was maxed out. Everything was it was a lot of big risk. Oh man. I love it. That's good. Um number nine. No, wait, that was biggest risk. Number eight. After retirement from the Olympics, uh, has your view changed at all on the Olympics? View changed at all? Yeah. Sorry, you broke up there. Yeah. Um Yes. Uh, I don't know if it's like, if it's become more commercial or not. Um, it kind of felt like before Instagram and maybe before like these sponsorship things, there was a little bit more of an essence to, there wasn't, it wasn't such a thing just to, you know, you didn't want to go to the Olympics to say you went to the Olympics or something like that. Like it was, it was more like you, you wanted to be the best at your sport. And, and I feel like because of the popularity of it and the clout that you get with it or whatever it is now, I feel like it's changed a little bit in my mind. Um, and there's still the majority of athletes, by far the majority of athletes that are going there, really excited about it. Um, I mean, everyone's excited about it. And then yeah, also sure. to commercialization, I'm, I feel like it's, I feel like the IOC is, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to speak openly because that's what I do. I feel like the IOC is actually selling their soul a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And it's sad to see. Um, yeah. And, and it's sad to see at the sacrifice of some of the performances or like maybe athletes being associated with certain sponsors or something like that that's really not promoting a healthy lifestyle which is what we all want to we want to do we want to share that we want to embody that so yeah um, totally yeah. did you know that kfc was at these olympics <laughs> i mean <laughs> you, I, all i can do is laugh i'm like oh gosh it is yeah. what it is <laughs> i'm like all right moving on number nine what would you say the best way to travel is the best way to travel. Mm. Um, now, I love, I've crossed oceans on boats. I've been in far too many planes and road trips and everything. And I think the best way to travel is with a minimal amount of stuff. Yes. Regardless of where you're going and how you're traveling. Yeah. Just like, because how many people pack a bag and like really actually don't even use 75% of it. And I'm guilty of that. And I still I am do totally that. guilty of that. Yeah. And I'm like, you're on a ski trip and you're only wearing. Your long johns over yeah, and over, over again. Over and over and over again. And you're wearing the same pair of jeans. And then you maybe wear like two different t-shirts and then like still shower, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so minimal stuff. And then also just like, mm, 
I think at your tempo. So some people like going to the airports early. Some people like leaving more time on road trips so they can stop and enjoy things. Mm. Whatever your tempo is, I think it's important to travel at your tempo. What is your travel tempo? Are you early to the airport? No, I'm like... You're like almost missed the plane. I've traveled enough where I show up at the airport and then walk through the gate and then I'm like straight onto the plane and then they close the gate. How many planes have you missed? Uh, Six. Well, you can count? Yeah. Oh, I hate to say I've probably missed more than six. <laughs> well, you live in Whistler, so there's more factors involved because you got to drive the highway. Well, I like to think that that's really kind of you to think that. Most of the time, it's pilot error oh. on my behalf. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, be, that's be, funny. Yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone misses. And then, wait, okay, so this has, this is not part of the rapid fire, but like on a road trip, are you like a get there right away kind of person or you stop and smell the roses? It really depends. Am I by myself? Am I in a time crunch? But I I think if you have time to, if you have time to even set a cup, a couple hours or even a half day. Yeah. Or, or an extra day or two and you're doing a road trip. You end up meeting locals and they tell you about this these hot springs that are gorgeous okay. or uh, this ho- hotel or this hike you should do. And, and if you're like missioning to get somewhere, you're going to miss it, um, yeah. which I'm I'm like a pretty mission person. I am too. I have a problem yeah. with that. I'm like, I'm like, OK, I need to drive from L- Laguna to Whistler and uh, <laughs> Google Maps says 19 and a half hours. I can do it in 17. Like, oh my gosh, that's yeah. that's just, I think that's just our competitive spirit because I do the exact same thing. Yeah. We're not competitive at all. No. Moving on. <laughs> Number 10, the last one. What are the top three places that you would say you have traveled to? Um, Bonaire, which is uh, Ruba, Curacao, and Bonaire, which is just north of Venezuela. So it's the ABC Islands, which is the Dutch Antilles, the this really small state and it has 9,000 donkeys and 5,000 people but it has some of the most beautiful windsurfing <laughs> and it has some of the most beautiful windsurfing and kite surfing that you can um, experience and the water there's this place called Lac Bay and it's like turquoise water waist deep water um, with sand and you get and there's nice wind every day and you just kind of like get can learn how to windsurf or blast around windsurfing or kitesurfing all day there um so that's one second would be new zealand um i've I've spent three years of my life in new zealand um so it's like a second home to me um on and off since 2001 until 2016. um so anywhere in new zealand i think is absolute magic um and then Europe like I mean there, you can pick out <laughs> you can pick out anywhere in Europe yeah and, that's, and it, that's not wrong right like you, like if you're in Italy and you're in Lake Garda or and you're in Sicily or you're in the south of France or you're in the Alps or you're in Holland or you're in England and everywhere you go there's like this deep history that is beautiful and it's just it feels a lot older than Canada in the sense of cultural history um Mm -hmm. and it's uh and yeah it's uh i I love just europe boom 
boom. Done like, and dusted. Go anywhere, like go to the churches, go to the, go get, go immerse yourself in the culture wherever you go and you can't go wrong. Totally. Well, thank you so much for doing my rapid fire. That's never rapid, but the listeners get to know you a little bit better. Now let's talk about being on the road. How long were you on the national team for? Uh, I joined national team in 2000. Mm-hmm. And then I guess I was officially off it in 2016. Okay. Yeah. 16 years on the road, 15 years on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where would you say, like, did you travel with the girls and the boys, like windsurfing? Uh, yeah. Is that how so when, when, so when I, st- I started pretty late, uh, I started when I was 17. And so at that time there was Canadian, uh, youth team and we were traveling and we went to like, I think one of the first trips I went to was Martinique in the Caribbean with, uh, there was like five Canadian windsurfers and we went down there to go train with the French team. Yeah. <clears throat> and I had a total crush on this French Canadian girl and she was going and she's, she's like, Oh, you should come. And I'm like, okay. And I got it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And, and, and so we would travel with a team when we were younger, but then as we got older, and started getting on the senior national team, then you kind of started to pick who you wanted to travel with. So I would pick training partners that were usually significantly better than me. Um, but Wait, why do you uh, get we... to pick? Don't you all travel to the same place together? Yes, but you, because it's an individual sport, yeah. um, like some countries are a little more lenient with others where other countries are like, no, this is our team housing and this is France team and this is US team. And, but Canada, um, at, at, by the time I was getting on the senior team, there was kind of less people that were competing and, and they were on more on the East coast. So I was, they were in Toronto and Montreal and Halifax. And I was kind of one of the only West coast guys, um, okay. besides Nic- Nicola Gerke. And, um, and yeah, so I mean, in certain competitions, we would travel together. But other than that, you if you're going to be traveling 10 months a year and living with people, it's nice to do that with like the people that are your best friends on the tour. And obviously, okay. you make really good friends on tour. So yeah. Um, so who did you travel with? Well, so I mean, I started, it was a Dutch, a Dutchman, a New Zealander and a Canadian walk into a bar. So <laughs> so there's always been this like magic combination between um myself a, a dutch team member and a new zealand team member um and so there's been i've watched multiple iter- iterations or of that combination um and the most time then was spent from 2008 to 2016 who with dorian uh van Heiselberger, who yeah the dutch um who is now married to my sister he's my brother-in-law and he was my training partner forever and he won the gold in london and in rio um so yeah dorian was my kind of minor detail folks (laughs) Um, training partner turned um two-time gold medalist gold medalist turned brother-in-law turned brother-in-law yeah (laughs) (laughs) kind of cool actually (laughs) it's awesome it's such a cool story so you guys would travel together like nonstop. would you room together as well Yep, we have shared rooms. We've even shared queen size beds. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah it's like it depend- me and Dom. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, I mean, it depends on the situation, but I mean, I'm. I think I remember taking him uh, camping the first time in Canada, and we went to Sombrio Beach to go surfing, and and it was pissing rain, and we surfed. It was really good surf though, and we like surfed super late, and it was too late to set up our tent, and we were really tired. 
and it started to rain. So I just put up a, um, a, tarp. a tarp and the two of us were like cuddling, shivering. <laughs> I think that's one thing the listeners don't really um, get a vibe of or a sense of like watching the Olympics right now. Yes, people are going head to head in single person sport, but you're, you're literally roommates. Like you're going home together after you've just competed together. And I think that's such a good like essence of it. You're like, no, like we were just on a trip and we just traveled together. Like, of course you're going to travel. You become such good friends. It's amazing. It's pretty cool. And it, and I think probably one of the most amazing lessons out of that Mer, is like, it teaches you how to separate something that happens mm -hmm. and then letting it go. Like, cause mm -hmm. Dorian and cause we're competing against each other and you're trying to beat the other person. So therefore you're mm, giving them bad wind or whatever it is. And like, and you're like, Oh, you're so angry in the middle of the race. But then when you're done the race, you're like, Hey, that was a good race. And you, you kind of let it go. And then you're like, Hey, we're going home together. So I'm not going to be pissed off at you because otherwise it's just going to be a crappy night. Totally. Totally. Wild. So, um, other than surf trips, what else would like, how would a day in windsurfing go for a competition? How many days training do you have? Then you race, and then what? What happens after? So competitions. Oh my god! I mean, that's a rhetorical question. <laughs> windsurfing is a part of sailing, sailing sport, right? And we all know that sailors are notorious for liking to be a. Do we? You want to be a drunken sailor? We can be a drunken sailor. <laughs> okay. You heard it here. <laughs> um, so, oh, yeah. Well, um, so there's seven days of racing or six days of racing for world championships or yeah. world cups or kind of five days. Um, and so it's quite a bit of racing. You, sh you wake up in the morning. It's an endurance slash sprint sport. So you, you're training for everything. And then um, and then we would go on the water around nine or 10 AM. And then you would usually be on the water from anywhere for, from let's say two to five hours on average. Okay. And then each race is about 45 minutes long and three races a day, seven days of racing. Um, if you finish first, you get one point. If you finish last, let's say 50th, you get 50 points. Person with the least amount of points at the end wins like golf. That's a lot of long seven days, three times a, a day out there. It's a long. You have like a, one beer after, and you're probably wasted. We don't drink after. We don't. We drink after the after after. after after. Um, sometimes we have a reserve day for weather conditions because our yeah. sport is so subject to um, wind and weather. So mm -hmm. sometimes if we get all the racing done, then we have a rest day, the reserve day where we don't need to race, and then you can have like one beer on the last day of the prelim night because it would like kind of like forget forget about everything that happened and just relax and then you have a day off the next day and you can be hung over from your one beer. Oh wild. I do want to touch on Rio. Um those games were kind of a whirlwind for you, right? Do you yes. wanna do you wanna give us the inside <laughs> scoop on that? Uh yeah, I haven't really spoken publicly about this. Uh, but I'm I, I think it's it's enough time now. <laughs> Okay. Um, so, uh, it was, yeah, I mean, I took time off after London Olympics. Um, so Dorian finished first there and I did an eighth place in London, which was, a um, for Canada, our best result in windsurfing. And so I was 
absolutely stoked to get a top 10. That was kind of my goal. And so eighth was um, decent. Um, proud of, definitely can say I'm proud of that. And um, and, and then my brother, but the guy who was dating my sister who became my brother-in-law won the gold medal. And then I was one of his main training or I was main training partner. So um, oh, amazing. Yeah. So it was, that was a nice one. So then after that, I took some time off and then started to build the company with my sister. Um, and I had, uh, you know, I, my, my priority after 12 years of competing for Canada, I decided that I'm not going to make a living or be able to put a roof over my house, especially living in Vancouver or trying to live in Whistler. Um, I've always said this on this podcast. It's not easy being a Canadian athlete. It's not at all. <laughs> Unless you're like a, tra a track star pretty much or, yeah. or a hockey player or whatever. Um, or basketball player, you know. Yeah. Um, so you started the company with your sister. So started the company with my sister, or my sister started it, and I joined her. Yeah. Um, it's her. It's her. Her baby. Her, her baby. Um, and, uh, and then I just kept training. Dorian, we all moved in together. It was pretty crazy. So I was like my training partner, then your moved sister. in with my, and then my sister and I were running the company out of a garage and it was just like a family first man it was a really we were all one big happy family triangle <laughs> Dorian's and then going... you were but you were still training um so I was still did you training... think you were gonna go to the next games so i wanted to i was trying to give back to the sport at the time so i wanted to inspire some of the youth and mm -hmm. help coach them so i was trying to get canadian um youth or like younger generation canadians up to a level that they could um, okay. represent. Um, and, and at the same time, I, yeah, I was training. I mean, I was doing, I was still, um, I was, I struggled a little bit there because there, there's a transition from, you know, you're, you're producing endorphins every day that you're sitting in front of the computer screen and you're, yeah. you, you don't feel the same. So I, I had to keep things going and my dad got sick with cancer. And, and so then I found that, um, exercise and, uh, um, uh, athletics and getting outside really helped kind of deal with that entire stress load of the, the whole family dynamic with dad and his cancer and and so and then business and everything so I was I was really trying to find a balance and yeah I found that day like yeah for the Rio Olympics but it's going to be at yeah. kind of my tempo, my tempo. um mm -hmm. and so so anyway so then I kept training and then I ended up um meeting the criteria at least to what it was believed to have been communicated uh yeah. to meet the criteria for the rio olympics um and that being said there's a couple other factors involved so i was the top performing sailing athlete at the london games for canada um mm -hmm. out of the nine sailing classes or 10 sailing classes um and I've spent a lot of time in Rio. So I did the Pan Am Games in Rio. And I've lived on and off in Rio from 2001 until 2016. And I probably spent about close to a year of my life there. Um, yeah. So I was very, very familiar with the Bay. So anyway, so in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Rio. So I tell, like, I'm going to confirm working and I can afford to, like, oh, connections, standby. No, I got you. Okay. Um, and so I'm like, great, I'm working. I can, like... I'm not going to stay in the athletes village, which is an hour and a half each way from the sailing venue. So that's three hours in the bus. Yeah. I'm like, I don't need to do that. Um, yeah. And so I was like, okay, book my flight. All my equipment was already down there. Everything was good. And then I got a notification that they did, they weren't going to send anyone. Um, now Canada had a spot um, in Rio um, for male windsurfing. And I had 
uh, I had also worked with um, multiple uh, younger generations to to get them up there, and and yeah. they, they were they were really close to pushing me. They and didn't I, send anyone for windsurfing. They, they didn't send anyone. Yeah. They didn't send anyone, which was pretty sad because we had a spot. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm like, my whole thing was like, look, if, you, if, if I don't go, whatever, at least send a send, young buck, send one of the younger guys so that they yeah. can get experience and yeah, yeah. know what it's, and then, you know, and then keep, keep the sport alive. Like if we're not going to sure. send anyone, then why are like people, people train because that's the pinnacle of sport. You like get to go and represent your country at the Olympics. You get to go and rep, like you get to wear the maple leaf and feel so proud to walk into exactly. a stadium and, exactly. and, and be so proud to represent your country. And what happened for the Tokyo games? Tokyo games. Did they send windsurfers? Um, no. So I'm actually the last male windsurfer. So I'm the oh. only male windsurfer that's gone for Canada since 1996. Wow. But okay, let's talk about Rio and how much fun you had there, though, because oh, you still okay. went. Yeah. So, okay. So they're like, like, this is like, this is an athlete's dream, I would think, come, like a dream whoa. come true in like the shittiest situation that happened. I you mean, made lemonade from lemons. I made a lot. Of, I made it rain <laughs> lemonade. I was yeah. just like, I was just pumping out margaritas with lime and lemonade. Um, oh my goodness. But uh, so, yeah. So I, they were like, no, you're not. You're not going. I'm like, well, I have my my pace, place paid for, and I already have my flight and all my equipment. I need to go down there and get all my equipment and all my personal belongings anyway. Right. And my brother-in-law is at the now he's married to my sister and they have a kid. Yeah. And like, and so my brother-in-law is competing, and then all my other friends are competing, and and you know, it, yeah. it, it, the really cool thing about, um, I think one of the biggest things I miss about the Olympic culture is the sense of community mm -hmm. that it's like. Anyone from any country, from any culture, from any background, ethnicity, religion, whatever it is, it's like everyone comes together and it's this incredible community that yeah, is very is. accepting. Um, like for like a lot of people that's like that don't get to experience that. It's like Burning Man in, in a sense, right? Um, <laughs> Haven't been, want to go. <laughs> yeah. Same, same thing, just not as healthy, I guess. Or, or you could say... Or, so, or some people I know, like, they go and they're completely healthy and they have, like, yeah, this yeah, amazing yeah. experience where they're doing, like, yoga retreats and this and that there. And so, totally, totally. But, so, um, so, Rio, what, what was the game plan then? So, Rio, the game plan was just to go, like, I had this really amazing penthouse apartment that yeah. overlooked the sailing venue and that there was, like, massive binoculars in it. And, <laughs> and I was, like, right across from the sailing venue. I mean, I, I had That's athletes cool. coming up when they were waiting for the wind to fill in. And they didn't yeah. want to hang out at the venue. They were coming over to my place and we were having like, they were having naps on my bed or on my day bed or, and we were having so awesome. snacks and everything. And we could see the flagpole. So when the post, it was, it was really nice. So, and then, and then we, Mom. and then I had, and I had a really cool spot. I was like, I think I was like the party host kind of like for all the after parties. I was like, I feel like you would be the hostess with the mostest. So everyone was like, Zach, where's the party tonight? All the athletes, and so it was like with the swimmers and the volleyball and the and the field <laughs> and the field hockey, and I don't know how many athletes came through my place there, but it was really cool to Love it. to at least go to the games, and and that was kind of like that was really the last time I after that I had a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth, and, mm -hmm. and that was kind of my last like my, my last presence with a. Um, a major international competition even though I didn't compete in it but it was kind of nice for like I had to go and 
you know, after 16 years to say a bit of a farewell. Heck yeah. What about, what about you going to go for three times? Are you going to start training again? I mean, the really cool thing about what's happening in Paris 2024 is there's the hydrofoil. Uh, they changed right. the equipment. So now it's a hydrofoil windsurfing. Um, so it flies okay. above the water. Yeah. Yeah. And, and? Um, I feel like well, you're thinking about it. I feel like you're not I, not thinking about it. I did. It's perfect that you're frozen right it. now because you can't I, say anything. Oh, am I still frozen? Hold on. No, you there you are. <laughs> what were I'm you saying? Um, I yeah. think it's um yeah, I I have a board. I've done two competitions. Um, <laughs> just like little regional competitions down in the US. Uh cool. and, and I'm in conversations. I love and foiling is such a fun sport with in, in any form of sailing it's just so cool to fly above the water and then not hear because when you're in a boat or on a windsurf board when you're moving really fast you're just like yeah, and you're like right, skipping right. across the water yeah. but and, and you get that on a foil but then once it starts to take off yeah and it's silence and then you just hear the wind going over your face and past your ears it's really cool it's the one of the most freeing experiences that you you uh that you could live and it like it's the okay, closest well, you can get to flying so i could potentially so, yeah. have you as a three-time olympian then yeah Paris we'll keep 20, our we'll keep our fingers crossed i'd like to see i what i would love to see is um a younger generation of canadians come up so if i come back for my sure. objective my objective would be for to put them up to speed as fast as possible and have them beat me but they have to beat me they so. have to beat you we're not competitive here, guys. We, we're not competitive at all. <laughs> Zach, thank you so much for dropping in. Where can people find you online if they'd like to find out some more about you? Um, I have kind of a little bit of a quiet online presence these days. They're just uh, going to have to Google you then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a website going. Um, but, but for now, it's just, uh, yeah, Google. Just Google or, him, guys. Just, just Google, Google him. But He's I, awesome. Well, you're amazing, Mur. So I, oh. like, I, you're, 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 everyone, <laughs> she is or, this way. Yeah, this way. <laughs> One of the brightest shining stars from Canada. And we should, we should be so lucky to call her Canadian. So. Oh, you're so sweet. Zach, thank you so much for dropping in and uh, I'll see you on the hill probably tomorrow. Awesome, Mur. Thanks. Thanks so much for dropping in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks DJ Kenosis for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.
Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.